Well, how's everybody doing? Thank you. There we go. It's like, good. Man, it's so good to be with you guys again this morning. Um, it is such a privilege to be back here. I, some of you don't know me, and that's I understand that. Um, but man, this was a really good place for me to serve. I grew, and I healed, and I, I learned. Um, and so it was a really good place for me. Uh, so questions we get started. I'm, I'm doing this, uh, I, I just, this whole thing on identity for just a moment, just so humor me. Uh, how many of you have ever been caught in a storm? Like you were, it was a rain, it was pouring, you got caught in a storm. How many of you? Show me hands. And you weren't expecting it, right? It's like you just got caught. You were going somewhere, um, you were playing, uh, playing golf, uh, whatever it was, you got caught in a storm, and it, that was just it. Well, a number of years ago, um, best parents said, hey, we want to take you guys to San Juan, Puerto Rico. When your parents want to take you and they're paying, you say yes. Just helping you out. That's free. And so we went, and Ed, he, he surprised us, and he said, hey, um, I, want to, I want you guys, um, I want to take you to, it's off of the coast of San Juan, Puerto Rico. It's about, uh, about 10 miles off the coast. And we wanted, he wanted to take us to an island called Calabra Island. Uh, how many, has anybody ever been there? It's stunning, okay? It, it's a beautiful island. So let's show the picture of that. That's it. That's, the, that's, the, that's a bay. And where that is, is just, it's, it's just really beautiful. Um, but um, you have to get there from the actual island. And so um, we're on a, what's called a catamaran. It was about 50 feet long, uh, pretty big, and it had a, a, a down, it had an up, and it had backs and fronts, and you could place where you could sit. And there's about, oh, there's probably about 30 or 40 of us riding this big catamaran out. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been on a boat in a harbor or, or on a lake, Typically in the harbor, the waters are pretty calm, not an issue. So we hear the captain talking to his other crew. Um, oh, and let me also tell you too, the part of the money you're paying is a full um, lunch spread on that beach, on that beach. And so I hear him, we're sitting in the back of the boat, um, just waiting for them to shove up. And he says to the crew, he goes, I'm not really sure we should go today. I'm just saying, if you hear the captain of the ship say, we shouldn't go today because the waters are going to get incredibly rough as soon as we get out of the harbor. Now, I hear that and I'm like, um, but then I know what's going on in the back of his head. All these paying customers at 90, 80, $90 a pop, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money. You have to refund them if you don't go. So um, all I can think of is uh, I'm old enough. I used to watch Gilligan's Island. <laughs> That's all I can think of. That's in my head. And so we shove off on a three-hour tour. It seemed like 20. but So we shove off to this um, Calabra Island. Now, all I have is this image, and I'm like, I'm like, Lord Jesus, just help us get there. And so we're going out, and as the further we get out, just as the captain said, the waters get rough. We go from just one foot little waves where they're now six and seven feet tall. 
Now, I don't know about you, but in a, in a catamaran, not a cruise ship, you feel those waves, <laughs> every one of them. So Beth, Beth's parents and her brother, we're sitting in the back of the boat, and the further we go, the tighter my grip is on what I'm holding on to, because now the boat is doing this, okay? And I'm thinking, surely the captain's going to go, you know, this is just getting pretty rough. This, the storm is it's intensifying. Um, it's, it wasn't so much rain, it was wind, and the wind was blowing against us really hard, so it was creating these big waves. And so I'm thinking, surely we're going to make the turn and come home. And so, but we keep going. And my grip gets harder and harder. There's a rail that goes around the back of the boat for you to hold on to. I know why now. And so I'm holding on to it. But as we go out, the waves get bigger. And you know what starts happening is e literally equipment is bouncing out the back of the boat. And now I'm really holding on tight now. Because I'm watching flippers and snorkels and masks, life jackets, dead serious, bouncing out the back of the boat. And, uh, you know, Beth and I, were like, oh, and I got to tell you, there were four college boys that got on, and they were a little hungover, and they're in the bottom of the boat. They never came out. I'm not sure if they ever came out. That's another story. But they were, I was like, oh, you guys are going to have a bad day. I'm just saying. And so... Stuff is bouncing out of the back of the boat, and I'm holding on. My, my forearms are getting tired from holding on so tight because stuff is bouncing out. And I'm looking around, and everybody's kind of holding on. And um, all of a sudden, we hear this giant crack, and the windshield of the, of the boat cracks in two. So then I'm thinking, surely we will turn around. That's a big no for the captain speaking. Um, it took us... Uh, Normally, the ride out is three hours. That's what he said. It was five hours just to get out there. I was never more thrilled and kissed the dirt, the sand, when I, we landed on that. Uh, but it's interesting because storms are funny because they come in all shapes and sizes. You don't know when they're going to hit. Some you kind of do, some you don't. Sometimes they just appear. Um, we're, uh, if you lived in the south, it's hurricane season, and so you, you kind of know if they're coming. But they, they, they come in all kinds of sizes for us. And it's interesting because you think, well, like, what's a storm? A storm can be health. It could be your marriage. It could be parenting. It could be education. It could be your job. It could be sin in your life. It just, it just keeps reoccurring in your life. You can't seem to shake. And our identity and all of that really matters. Because in a world in which we live in, when you have a storm that comes, who you look to and what you grab for is really important. And so we talk about that. So I want to give you the definition of identity. Like, like, this is a good working definition for us this morning. And I love this. The state or fact of remaining the same one or ones as under varying aspects or conditions. I love this because it's, what it's saying is that your identity stays the same regardless of what you're facing, what you're dealing with. And so when you think about your relationship with Christ, that when a storm comes, do you scream the sky's following and seek everything else but Christ? Or do you run back to Christ? And here's a few things that I have learned about when a storm comes in relation to our identity, and it's this. Identity amnesia in the storm can cause identity replacement. Like, I'm going to figure out something else. 
This storm is changing the trajectory of my life. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to think about something else. Our identity in Christ requires that we keep our eyes and ears attentive to him. When a storm gets loud, you need to really pay attention to what God is saying and where he is in that moment for you. Because he is present, and I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. Our identity in Christ is connected to his invitation. Now, this is where it gets crazy. God, you're calling me out in a storm? I'm hunkering down. I'm hunkering down. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to get there in just a second. Matthew, use whatever, if you, whatever device you're using, Matthew 14, 22 through 33. If you've grown up in church, this will be a familiar story. But we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle this morning. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. So here's the, key, here's the most important thing. If you don't hear anything else I say today, and it's this, in relation to the storm. It is critical that we remember whose we are in the storm. Whose we are. So when a storm comes up and you're really, you're, you're, it's fierce and it's hard and it's crazy and you're really just, you're not making much headway, whose you are is really important. Because we kind of forget that sometimes. In the storm, we're, we're looking around at all, this, all that's going on and sometimes we miss the very message, the very presence of God, His invitations and so forth. Well, I love this passage because um, I'm a curious, when I look at God's word and the longer I've studied it, sometimes when you read it, you read it kind of in motion, like, oh yeah, okay. And you read it and you don't really pay attention to some of what was going on there because <clears throat> you kind of, you go, oh, well, this is the most important part. Well, this whole thing, John chapter 14 is really a kind of rapid fire because Jesus has lost a dear friend. John the Baptist was beheaded. So first off, he's just mourning that loss. They have fed a ridiculous amount of people, okay? And so he's, he's in ministry mode. He's, he's going hard. And so it, uh, he tells the disciples, um, I need to take a break. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to catch up with you later. And so there are three immediately's that really leap out at me in this passage. So we're going we're gonna to jump into it at verse 22. <clears throat> and so... Verse 22 says this, says, immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Does anybody think that that's an interesting verse? How are you getting to them? There's not a ferry system. You're not catching a little jet ski and going to catch up to them. Have they figured out how, how, how is Jesus catching up to us? He can't get a boat by himself. How is he doing that? <clears throat> So he dismissed the crowd, and after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And I've thought through this for just a moment. I think one of the things that we miss is that we typically, we typically pray really good when the storm is on, don't we? We do. But what if we were praying a bit more consistently before and after the storm? See, typically, it's an emergency break glass kind of God moment. God, all hands on deck. Uh, storm's here. I need you. Let's pray. Come on. And I think, what if we were praying before for preparation and then after for the thanks that he was there? And so Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray. We don't know how long he's gone, but we know long enough because we get a snapshot of that. And it says, when evening came, he was there alone. 
But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by waves, for the wind was against them. So the disciples are pounded by a storm. They're stuck. They're not making any headway. And in the, we, right here, it says that the boat is a long way out. Now, I don't know if that's a mile, five miles. We don't know. But a long way out is long enough. And so it's, so it's really important for us to recognize that there's a storm going on in their world. And I want you to catch this. Jesus doesn't look at their storm and go, ah, ah my friend just died. We just fed 5,000 people. And they've got a storm I don't want to deal with that. That is not the Jesus I know. That Jesus is saying, I'm coming to you. See, what do you know? I don't know how well you know Jesus, but Jesus comes to you in your storms. He is never, ever caught off guard by what you're dealing with. He never goes, wow. I don't know what you're going to do with all that. He walks to you in your storm. This is really important. Think about this. He walks to you in a storm because he wants you to know where your identity is found, where you can find it. And I want you to think about this, just a couple things. Jesus models the value of stillness. Stillness is where we grow to hear his invitation. A number of years ago, there was a, a powerful book out, and it's still kind of it's a, what, what you would call a timeless classic. It's called... Um, um, I just drew a blank on it um, by Henry Blackaby. Um, knowing, uh, what? Experiencing God. Thank you. Experiencing God. And it's just that when, when God is at, at work, he says, join me where I am. You're not asking God to join you over here. You're asking him to join you where he is at work. And so I think God, when we get away and we slow down, it's to hear his his calming voice, because a storm's going to come, they just come in all shapes and sizes. But, in, but when a storm does come, is your, are you going to lean on his voice, on, in his presence, so you can kind of go, okay, it's crazy, but I know he's with me. And I already said this, and I'll remind you again, Jesus is always present in your storms, it's just do you notice? Or is the storm just too big? And I want you to think about this. Why would Jesus walk on the water? Why would he do that? And I thought about this a lot. Why would Jesus walk on the water in the storm? And it's, it's pretty awesome. It's because he's demonstrating his lordship over all things. He is demonstrating his lordship that water has no power over him. He is demonstrating that he has the ability to dictate how things are going to go. So he can walk on the water, and it, water has to, gravity has to obey him. And I think about this. If he can walk on water, he can handle your storms. If he can walk on water, he can handle your storms. And just remember, he's walking to you in your storms. He isn't walking away. He doesn't look at your storm again and go, oh, wow. So, so the fourth watch of the night he came to them. Now, that, that's typically kind of late, somewhere after midnight. He comes walking out to them. So it's dark, okay? And remember, boats don't have lights back then. They don't have cell phones. They don't have, they don't have any of that stuff. It's dark. And it's a storm. And it's windy. And it's thundering and lightning. And you can't really see particularly well out there. 
So he comes walking to them on the sea. Verse 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Uh, let's be honest. All of us would be terrified. <laughs> Some of you are like, yes, I would. If somebody's walking to you on top of the water in a storm toward you, you're not going, oh, he's here to help. You're like, I'm not really sure. And so they were terrified. That's, that's a human response. It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But our second immediately is this. Look at what Jesus does. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't go, oh, seriously, guys? Look at what he says. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. He said, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, it is I. Does, can they, like, is it really Jesus? I can't really tell. I think it's Jesus. It sounds like Jesus. Here's the interesting thing. We don't know how close Jesus got to the boat before they could kind of recognize him or hear, recognize the voice. And so this is, this is an important moment, okay? Because there are 12 guys in a boat working hard and not making any progress because they're buffeted by waves and wind and storms and they're just kind of stuck, just kind of just, you're not going anywhere. And so here's where identity gets kind of crazy. Because we can talk about identity in Christ until something comes up against it where you have to make a giant seismic decision. And it's this. In the storm, the boat in our life represents safety and security. And that often becomes our identity anchor. When the boat becomes our identity anchor, we are less inclined to join Jesus where he is. I don't know about you, but if I'm in the boat, I'm looking at this, I'm going, it makes, like, to get out of the boat, that makes no sense. I can't walk on water. I know Jesus is over there, but th this is safe. This is, this is secure. This is staying afloat. I will sink like a rock. And so I think it's important for us, when we look at this moment, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, it's me. It's funny, uh, um, I'll turn a magical age next month. I'll be 32. It's going to be a great thing. Some of you really laughed hard at that. Stop it, Bob. Uh, I'll be 60 next month. And you know, something that struck me is the older I've gotten, the less inclined I, I want to do things like, like, like climb up on a ladder way up high and paint. I didn't really want to do it when I was 30, but especially when you're 60. Like, have like I'm I'm less risk averse than I used to be. I used to do like I think back when I was a when I was a middle school boy. Of course, they don't you know, it, jumping off of things, trapping live animals, hunting, um, jumping into a frozen. I mean, just crazy stuff. Now I'm like my daughter's doing that. She's a ten year old. She's like, Dad, watch this. I'm like, uh. She goes, you should do it. No, EMS will be right behind. You know, but what happens to us? we get comfortable with our identity in this world until Jesus says, will you join me over here? It's really funny how our, we would not say, oh, I'm not, my identity is not in there. Well, what if God called you to one of our 33 counties that has no evangelical work? Would you go? Or would you say, you know, God, my family lives here. Like I moved my daughter away from best parents and that's their only grandchild. Do you think that went well? 
No, it wasn't great. But I have a rule in my own heart that I have that has sustained me for my entire ministry career. It's this. Comfort can't trump calling. Comfort can't trump calling. And that sounds spiritual, but let me tell you what, until you have to make a decision to get out of the boat, man, that's a gulp moment. That's that man, that's hard. And and to do a role you've never done before. But I also know this. I'm also doing what God's asked me to do. That's the invitation. That's the cool part. Because then he's the one that is equipping you to do what you're supposed to do. And so identity in the boat can be pretty soothing because it's safe. It makes sense. I know everybody here. I, I know what's around the corner. I, I, I know. And so look what happens. We also, we typically poke fun at, at Peter because Peter sank, right? He's kind of the focal point of this passage, but I want to shift it. There are 11 that didn't get out of the boat. You ever thought about that? 11 stood and looked. Jesus said, hey, it's me. It's me. And 11 did not get out of the boat. Early before I became a full-time minister, I was at a church in Augusta, Kansas, and I was a bivocational youth guy. I had a full-time job that was more than 50 hours a week, and I was in school trying to go to school. And I remember that I came to kind of a crossroads moment. I couldn't do all of those very well anymore. And so I went to the pastor, and I said, look, Blake, I said, I just can't keep doing all of this. My, my plate is just heaping full. I feel like I'm doing the student ministry a disservice because I just can't. And so I'm going to resign from that so I can finish school because my job is a real job and it pays my bills. And he says, I'll tell you what, how about this? How about I go back to the church and we come up with a salary and uh, we bring you on full time. And I'm laughing because this is a church of about 125 people and they're paying me uh, in mid nineties, $5,000 a year before taxes. And so I'm like, uh, sure. And so he goes and he talks to them. And I've been at my company for a long time. We did industrial water treatment and it was safe. It was secure. It was a good job. And so I'll never forget. He said, hey, guess what? Met with finance team, leadership team, and we want to bring you on full time. Here's the salary. I think we can pay you. Wait, what? No, he goes, I hope we can pay you. I'm pretty sure we can pay you. That's what he said. Now, I don't know about you, but those are not overly confident statements. But I also remember something, too, that God had called me to ministry. But you know what I learned at that moment is I don't get to dictate the circumstances or how it lays out. I just have to trust the calling and go. And that if he asked me to go, I have to get out of my safety of this job. I was going to take a significant pay cut to take the job. And so he said, are you going to get out of the boat? And I took a gulp. I took a hard gulp because the salary was like less than what I was making by $10,000. And it was, a, it was a hope, maybe, I think so. And I, I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure I stand here today if I don't get out of the boat back in 1996. I'm not sure I do. 
And so I remember that I, I talked to Beth and we prayed and we were like, God, you know, like, time to get out of the boat. God is over there inviting you to something. It's time to get out of the boat. Well, this job was really safe. God, this makes sense. This is secure. If I step out of the boat, I take a gulp and they were able to pay me. And I got a raise every year. But you know something more significant happened in that church? Is the church grew spiritually because it took a leap of faith too because it, wasn't, it did not make sense to hire me because they were too small financially. And they stepped out and they grew. And they grew numerically. They grew spiritually. It was a crazy season. It was such a blessing to watch. But the church had to step out of the boat and so did I. And then what I didn't know is six months later, the job that I thought was secure was sold to another company and I would have lost my job. I did not know it was there. Didn't even know it happened until I was six months. I had, I had left and then all the guys that I had worked with called me and they go, we just lost our job. And I'm like, wait, what? They got sold out to a competitor and we all lost our jobs. So this is a get out of the boat moment. All 12 have heard the same voice speak to them, but only one gets out of the boat. And look at what happens. Verse 28, and Peter asked him, Lord, if it's you, I hope maybe, possibly, if it's you, because he can't fully see him, he recognizes the voice, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Catch this, on the water? He didn't say swim to you. Think about this. He wants, he wants to come out to Jesus the same way that Jesus is standing on the water. He's very specific. Come on out. I'll dive in. I'll do a cannonball. I'll do whatever. No. Can you imagine when he steps out of the boat? Because look at what happens. Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, put on your life jacket. Look at what he says in verse 29. He just says, Now, the other 11, they're like, well, there's only 11 of us now. It's been fun to know Peter. He's going to sink like a rock. Can you imagine? See, I'm inquisitive because I'm thinking, you know, we always read the story. He steps out of the boat and walks to Jesus. We don't see or think about the other 11 going, don't you think they would? I would. I would be standing there going, he is walking on the water to that guy we think is Jesus. And can you imagine when Peter, now Peter doesn't step down like it's all confident. He's probably doing like this. Okay. Yep, it's looking pretty good. Okay. I don't know how, he doesn't know how this is happening, but he knows that he made a request to Jesus and Jesus honored it. He said, can I come out to you? Not swim out to you. Come out to me the same way that you're standing on the water. So, he says, come on. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. We don't know how far that was, but we know it's close enough that they could hear the voice. So, but it's still dark and stormy, so you really can't see much. But Peter, like the rest of us, when your identity is being punched at all different sides because the storm is real, man, isn't it easy to kind of take your eyes off of Jesus just for a second? Because you start to look at the storm you start to look at, wow, those waves are big. You start, to, you start to look at the wind. 
You start to hear the thunder. You start to see the lightning. You're like, man. And all of a sudden, when you're laser focused on Christ, you start looking around at everything that's going on. And we are so easy to fall into what Peter, what happened to Peter. And so you can imagine the other lever going, yep, I told you he was going down. You know, this, uh, I'm glad we stayed in the boat because it was safe and, you know, I'm just saying. But verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. So Peter's starting to sink. Jesus is in proximity. How do we know that? Look at what happens. Our third immediate, verse 31. Jesus immediately folds his arms and says, what were you thinking? He doesn't do that. It says he reaches his hand down and grabs him. Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, why have you a little faith? Why'd you doubt? Why'd you take your eyes off? I'm your identity in your storm. I don't care what your storm is. I'm the one to keep your eyes on. Stop looking at the circumstances or the other people. Or It's not fair that they don't have a storm. God, you should give them my storm. No, your storm is where God teaches you where your identity lies, and it's in Him. That's it. Your storm helps you to, do, to make a hard decision. Is it going to be in Christ, or is it going to be in something else? Is it going to be in my own abilities? And so it's really important that when we hit a storm, is, that, is it going to be focused in on Christ, that Christ is my identity in that storm, and I'm going to reside with Him, and I'm going to trust Him. That is so important for us. Because Jesus is always in the business of reaching down to us regardless of what it is. He doesn't fold his arms. He doesn't say, man, you should have, you should have had greater faith. He says, I'm going to reach down because everybody's faith wavers at all seasons of life. Why did you doubt? Verse 32, and when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he walked on water. He fed a whole bunch of people just prior to this, and, it, and he's done a lot of other things by this time already. And so everything calms down, and they're all like, oh, you are, you are him. And so a few things that I've noticed when it comes to our identity. The other 11, you have to wonder what they were thinking, like, like well, Peter just shoots his mouth off anyway, so he, you know, he, like, why didn't we get out? Why didn't we take a step? Why didn't we even contemplate? Why didn't we even look over the edge and go, they just stood there like, ah, we're not doing that. Our identity in the storm, growing in our identity of Christ requires movement. It requires movement. It requires us to take a step towards Him. Because even if your storm is like, I want to make sure that I'm in proximity to Jesus in this storm. Storms are crazy. They come in all shapes and sizes we talked about. The more we say yes to His invitations, the more our identity grows in Him. The more you say yes to Him, the more your identity grows in Him. It's kind of a dust statement, but it's really true. The more you say yes to Him, the more your identity grows in Him because you're the one, you're, you look more like Him and you want to do the things that He wants to do and you want to be where He is. When I think back to that church, I wanted to do what He asked me to do but I mean, it was way out of my comfort zone. I was really like, uh, 
All I, you know what I was thinking about? I was not thinking about calling. I was thinking about dollars because it made no sense. It made no sense to us. It made no sense to the church. And I think back on that moment and, and it didn't make sense. But calling doesn't always make sense. God's invitations don't always seem logical. But I want to be where he is, period, end of statement. And at that storm, he teaches us those things. The more we say yes to his invitations, the more our identity grows in him. Our identity in Christ doesn't reduce the storms. It just assures that he is present in them. Uh, you know this, that typically we grow best in storms. That's where our dependency in Christ can grow. When the storms come, it's like, what are we praying? What are we doing? Who are we going to? And it's so important for us in those moments. It's like this opportunity for it to grow and that he is always there. That just because you're walking with God doesn't mean that storms aren't going to come. I know many of you in here, and I, I know stories that just because you were walking with Christ, life didn't get easier. Sometimes it gets harder. Sometimes. Sometimes. I see lots of nods, you know. But it doesn't mean that God is bad. It means that He is present in our storms. And those, that's, a, that's an opportunity for us to grow. And so that grows our identity in Him. But something else I've learned is that the enemy, Satan, is very real in these moments. He wants you to believe that your failure in the storm is our identity. You didn't get out of the boat, so that's a failure. You took your eyes off of Jesus, so that's a failure. And Jesus doesn't do that. I think I've had plenty of failures in my, my walk with Christ. Plenty. But I'm not letting those define me. He defines me. He gets to do that. Those things, those things come up, but those things don't define me. He gets to define me. The enemy wants you to think that you didn't get out of the boat or that you sank because you took your eyes off of Jesus means that's, that's your identity. That, he's saying a failure. I got to tell you, I would rather fail getting out of the boat, walking toward Jesus, than not. And some of you are like, ah, you know, Danny, I don't, you should probably not have been here today because I don't want to hear this. It's an interesting thing because when God God's an invitation to you and you're like, I know it, I'm just, I like the, the safety, the security, the makes sense, the, I like, I know, I know what's around the bin thing. And I, I got to tell you, there's something exhilarating about following God and not knowing what's around the bin, not knowing what's around the corner. And when you have a storm come up, uh, ha, how many of you, has anybody ever in here, you live in Kansas, but I guess it's possible because where we live, anybody ever been in a hurricane? Okay, some of you. Um, for those of you who've been in a hurricane, the eye of the storm is what? Calm. Did you know this? The eye of the storm of a hurricane is completely calm. And when they talk about the eye, whatever the radius of the eye is, it can be 50 miles, 100 miles, and typically the stronger the storm, the hurricane, the bigger the eye is. The eye can be enormous, be just expansive. But it's amazing because in the eye, it's completely calm. It literally is completely calm. 
But on the outskirts of it, winds could blow, depending on the category of the storm, could be 200 miles an hour. Tornadoes, wind, rain, uh, just unbelievable, but in the eye. And so I think when you, I want you to think about this. When Christ is the eye of your storm, he's the calm in your crazy. He's that calming peace that when he says, trust me, immediately I'm with you, take a step, let's go, come over here, he's the calm for all of us. The enemy wants you to think that you're your identity in your failures. Don't buy that lie. Well, your faith wasn't strong enough. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't get out of the boat. You didn't take this invitation. I love what John Ortberg said. He said this. He said, the worst failure is not to sink in the waves. The worst failure is never get out of the boat. And see, when your identity is in Christ, you're more inclined to get out of the boat. Now, here's the cool thing. Outside of Judas, the others eventually got out of the boat. Do you know this? All you have to do is start looking into the epistles, of the early church of Acts, and you start to see that each of them, they got out of the boat eventually. They did. They didn't always get it right, but they got out of the boat eventually. So at some point, all of us have to get out of the boat eventually because Jesus is saying, even in a storm, this is where I need you to be. Peter, he called Peter out of comfort, what made sense to come over to where he is. Because he wanted to demonstrate that he had power over the waters and he wanted him to be where he is because in proximity to Jesus in a storm, make sure that your identity stays anchored to him, not to the circumstances. Make sense? So when you have a storm come up, most important thing you're going to answer is whose you are. You're not the storms, you're his. And every now and then he's going to say, the boat's comfortable, it makes sense, it's safe, it's secure, it's actually floating, but I'm actually calling you over here to do this. And some of you are like, well, you know, Danny, I'm too old. Uh, there's a song out that says, if you're breathing, he ain't done. And so you can say, well, I don't, I don't know how, I don't. See, that's logistics. When God calls you to something, he takes care of all that, those nuts and bolts. He does all of that stuff. Like when Jesus calls the disciples, he is at that moment shifting their identity as fishermen to fishing for people. Does it, do they have any concept of what that is? Zero. But he says, I will make you fishers of men in Matthew chapter 4. And he will spend the next three and a half years showing them and shifting their identity from fishermen as a trade to being sharing the hope of the world to men and women for the next decades. That's what he can do when you hit a storm, is he can shift your identity back to him and say, I'm your anchor, let me be your anchor. So as we close, let me just give you two, things, two, two questions to take home with you. First one is pretty easy. Remembers, remembers whose you are. Remember whose you are. You're his. And you may be in a storm right now, and you're like, hey, I, you know, I, I don't really see him right now, Danny. It's, the storm, is, there's a lot going on. I promise you there is a voice, in his, and he is whispering to you, I'm present. He might be screaming it, but you just can't hear it. He is saying, 
I'm, I'm here in it. And remember this, he immediately, he's, a, he's, a, he, he's the one grabbing for you, okay? And the second thing is this, has God given you an invitation to join him where he is? I don't know what that invitation is, but you do. And he certainly does. And he is asking you to join him in something, doing something. And maybe it's time for you to put a yes on the table and let him fill in the details. Maybe it's something here. Maybe it's something like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't, you know, the, as a pastor, nothing chafed me more than somebody saying, I have done my time. I, last I checked, ministry is not a sentence. It's not. And I am so thankful for the volunteers and staff who poured into me and didn't see me as a sentence. They probably rolled their eyes a few times, but, you know, it's not a sentence. It's a privilege to pour into people. It's a privilege that you get to walk alongside a child or a student or another adult or whatever it is, but maybe there's an invitation. You're like, okay, I need to get out of the boat. I need to get out of the boat. So I pray that your identity is anchored in Christ because storms are going to come and that you know that that's where you will find your, your, your direction. Sometimes you just need to just, just hold on to him for a while until this thing, this thing simmers down, whatever it is. But you will know who he is and you'll be hold on to him tight and that you'll turn to him whenever a storm does approach, okay? But in that storm, don't be surprised if he says, hey, I need you to join me over here, okay? Let me pray. Father, I have to say I am grateful for the privilege to be invited to something that you're doing. When I think about my life and I think about all the, the imperfections, the sin, the all the things in my life, God, and yet you still invite me to join you doing kingdom stuff. And I pray for some in this room, their storm is real, it's large, it's been lasting, and they're weary. I pray, God, that they would know that you have a reaching hand out to them so that their identity would be in you. I pray that some would reach back. I pray, God, for some in this room that their identity in you is, is secure and they have been in the boat a long time and the invitation is to go where you are. And that takes a gulp. It's easy to say. It's much harder to do. And so, Father, for those in this room, I pray that they would have courage to take a step to see what you've got and to be where you've asked them to be. And Father, as we go, there are going to be people that we're going to encounter that are facing storms of all shapes and sizes. Help us, God, to have an attentive ear and a heart that says, I've been where you are. I know. And the most important thing you cling to is God, that your identity is found in him because he is with you in the storm. And somebody may need to hear those words this week. Thank you, God, for your, your, your assurance your promise to be with us in the storm, that when we sink, you reach out. And when you invite, we need to go. Thank you, Father, for that. In your name I pray, amen. Well, thank you for 
humor me this morning. I hope those words are helpful to you. I know your staff, if you have a storm that you're navigating that you would love for some prayer with, they would love to pray with you. So you're dismissed. We'll see you. Well, I won't see you next week. You'll see Garen next week. So blessings.